everything's coming up to to Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah. In the zone, simple dedication to the team when you're in the know. To to Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah. In the soul, lifting all the positivity for the wolves to grow. So where we going from here, man? We listen week to week to get the clearest to clear. Recaps, got that. South cap, got that. Team ads, got that. So tell me what they do not have, huh? question to ask, but I don't mean to go brag, but boy they got all the stats, and they could go all the way back, from KG to Zerbiak, and all I'm saying is that, the cast the one stop shot for my timber, wolves, timber, wolves, ain't a thing falling, everything's coming up, timber, wolves, timber, wolves, falling from the autumn, ain't nobody gonna stop him, it's the timber, wolves, timber, wolves, phonies you can spot them, they the sheep under their clothes, timber, wolves, timber, Talk a lot about them, y'all don't really, really know. Let's go. Welcome into the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson, and I'm joined as always by Chris Emerson. Chris, how are we doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. We're halfway through the year. Um, we are. Everything's going to go up from here. Yeah, everything would, is coming up, Timberwolves, in fact. And uh, no Jared this week, hoping to have him back soon, but we are joined another week by Blake. Blake, how we doing? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, disappointed about last night, um, but, you know, maybe just, just Detroit's our kryptonite. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, they shouldn't be. I mean, Bo, Bogdan's a big, a good player. Jaden Ivey's a good player. But other than that... I don't see them as, as too impressive. But anyway, we can talk about that. This is the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube. And uh, give us a five-star rating on Spotify. And just, yeah, tell us what you think about the show as well. So now, with that out of the way, the Wolves, uh, it's technically not exactly midway through the season. We're one uh, extra game through the season. We're 42 games through the season, so 40 games left. How do you like where we are right now, Chris, uh, 40, 42 games in the season, basically at the halfway point? What what, what have you seen now, the Wolves, and where, 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 where are we at right now? Um, I mean, we're nowhere. We're not even, like, begin, like without Carl Anthony Towns, we're kind of – it kind of doesn't matter, like, where we're at because – I mean, sometimes I run into this when I'm like, oh, should I watch like the second half of this game that might not be going well or I got something going on? And I think, you know, like I don't I, – I know the players. I know what they can do. And at this point, I just need to see how it's going to work with Cat, like going forward. Like it's kind of – to really get too invested game to game when you've got an all-NBA player um, that still needs to be added. Uh, but mm-hmm. – on a positive note, everything coming up Timberwolves style. Um, there's been some huge, some huge progress. I mean, Anthony Edwards has turned a 20 point, 21 point scoring, uh, you know, first 20 games. Now he's been averaging, I think like 20, the last 20 games, he's been averaging like 26, 27 points, um, shooting really efficiently, really stepped his game up. Um, the, the play with Rudy is looking better with everybody. Like we're starting to figure out how to work him in, um, how everything's going to work with him offensive and defensively. 
Um, I saw something where in the last, you know, 15 games or whatever, we're ninth um, in defense, I think, or something like that, or half court defense, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, we were one of, uh, not too long ago, we were, the, I think, maybe a couple weeks ago, we were fifth in half court offense. We were top 10 in half court offense and half court defense, like, uh, you know, 10 games ago or, or five games ago or something. Um, and it probably mm-hmm. only went up from there. Uh, the problem is, is transition were terrible. So, I mean, we've got a couple things that we can that we can be happy about moving forward. And and at this point, I just want to start adding those positive things together, and then hope when Carl Anthony Town comes in comes in that doesn't affect that, and it ends up being you know an addition to that. So, we're doing okay. We got a long ways to go, but until until we get our full roster, it's just kind of a wait and see. Right. Uh, Blake, what do you think? Where are we at right now? It's uh, purgatory, basically. It's a, it's a weird one. I think Chris hit the nail on the head pretty well with uh, Cat being out. He, uh, and when he was sp- supposed to be such a staple of this franchise, and he, I, unless I miss something in the news, I still haven't seen when he's supposed to come back. I think we're past the four to six weeks now, but I All haven't right. heard anything. Um. So just with him out, it's it's tough to see how the rest of this roster fits. Not that we don't have some depth, um, but it's okay. Um, I did see the uh, the half court thing too about being like top ten in offense, defense, net, and all. And I think the other two teams that were also top ten in all three were the Philadelphia 76ers and the Nets, and yep. those aren't yep. bad teams to be in. Um, a conversation with it's not like it's the Rockets or the Hornets or anyone sitting at the bottom like those are playoff teams in the east going to the west though I think what makes it really hard to judge the um how the, how well the Wolves are doing is like I don't know if the west is is stacked or not when it's so close together in so many ways like the Wolves are sitting at 10th they are tied with two other teams, the Blazers and the Jazz, and they are three games out from fourth place, which is the Kings and the uh, and the Mavs. So, like, we could win a few and, and be right up there. The Nuggets and Grizzlies are playing great. They're starting to pull away. Um, but after that, it's pretty fair. Um, and the only two at the bottom that are not going to be competing are the Spurs and Rockets. So... And they're not trying to. Yeah, yeah, they don't. They just want draft picks. They're they're happy with that. Um, but when it's when it's all so close, I mean, we could go past the trade deadline, and I still don't know where my expectations are for this team. Mm-hmm. If if they keep playing like this, if they keep playing five hundred or maybe winning slightly more than they lose. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, interesting, and that's. That, that's why it's so interesting with the Wolves right now is they win two games and, like, the Clippers lose a game or two, then they're they're in seventh or sixth. Like, they're right there. And that's why I think – and that's why I think it's going to be so important, and this may sound obvious, just to make the playoffs because at that point, anything can happen. Like, really anything can happen at that point. Chris, go ahead. I mean, especially if you've got – you know, an all NBA player coming back and filling in, you know, in a positive way, you know, it, it's crazy when, when I was looking at those standings and I've, I've looked at this a couple of times when people have been, you know, really 
down on the Wolves for where they're ranked right now in the standings, which, you know, I, I don't remember many seasons ending at this time of the year, so I'm not too worried about the standings now. But um, almost every team that's ahead of us has had major additions to their roster um, from last year. Like Denver, um, Murray and and uh, Porter, um, Sacramento brought in brought in Sabonis. Um, I can't pull up my for some reason my thing's not giving me the the standings. So I can't read them all, but um, yeah. Then we've got the Pelicans bring in Zion back. Um, the Mavericks bring in Wood, who's you know averaging twenty and almost. The Clippers. Uh, you know, got healthy with Kawhi Leonard. Um, it's just wild that so many teams have made, you know, that are ahead of us. It's because they made huge additions, which is kind of something that people that with the whole we should have stayed status quo have to realize where, you know, I would have been fine staying status quo and we maybe would have been around the same spot if none of those other teams improved. But all those other teams mm -hmm. improved greatly. So, if we would have stayed status quo, we would have fell back. Um, right. One thing, one thing that I think is is kind of a positive thing to look at is I saw two two things that I've seen recently, and um, I think are, are are pretty telling with what's going on. Is right now it's a forty second game of the season. You know, we've played forty two games, and the record with Carl Anthony Towns this year were ten and eleven, ten wins, eleven losses. And our record without Carl Anthony Towns this year is 10 wins and 11 losses. So to me, I mean, you can look at that two ways. One, you could say, well, Carl Anthony Towns really doesn't bring any value to the team and, you know, good reason to get rid of him. I, I, don't, I don't really think that that's obviously true. Um, so what I the way I would look at it is – we've made such improvements with our continuity and how to use Rudy Gobert in these last 20 games where we've made up some of that ground that we didn't have before. Like we're playing at full strength ability and we're not full strength. Like that's a huge win. Like that makes me think with Carl Anthony Towns, you know, it'll push it higher. And, mm -hmm. and to kind of, to kind of push that a little more in the, in the last eight seasons, when Carl Anthony Towns hasn't played, which is, you know, 75 games, 80 games over those eight seasons, um, the Timberwolves win percentage is 28%. So, like, pretty much the worst, you know, that's a number one pick kind of win percentage. So 28% when Carl Anthony Towns does not play for the Timberwolves over the last eight seasons. And this year, without Carl Anthony Towns, we're like 50%. So that just shows how much better the base core now with Rudy Gobert and everybody else and how, how Edwards is playing, how much better that base core is now than it's been in the past. Mm -hmm. So, again, adding Carl Anthony Towns, you know, can only improve that um, unless, unless he's some sort of, like, you know, pariah to the roster, which if that's the case um, – you know, we'll move them in the offseason maybe. But uh, it, it just shows that we have a good chance to really start trending forward once he comes back, which right. I've heard might be another four, six weeks still. That's crazy because 
Man, what a bad diagnosis at the beginning. Like, what a, what a misdiagnosis if it really is taking that long. Because I've heard some bad things about our medical staff of late. Um, I heard that this was actually a re-aggravation of an injury that was misdiagnosed earlier in the season in the Golden State game. Mm. And then when they were talking to Torian Prince recently, um, he mentioned something about how he didn't want to talk about his recovery being so long. There was some sort of confusion with the medical staff. So um, maybe we'll be replacing our medical staff in the offseason. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Blake, go ahead. I don't I don't want to go too far down this road. I don't know if the medical staff is good or bad. I don't want to give hearsay towards that. I don't know if this was their choice or Finch's choice, but last night when the Wolves were down 20, I don't care if it's the Pistons, and there's like three minutes left, like he – they kept Anton the entire game and he fell a few weeks ago and he's been like questionable to play. And like, yeah, I, I get that you want him to be your Luca and, or whoever franchise player, just he'll carry the team. Great. But like, you have to know when there's garbage minutes, like just to wave the white flag on some of these, like, I know every game matters and all of that, but like, I don't know why they kept D'Lo and uh, and Ant especially in at the end with like his mostly his injury like and they pulled Rudy and I was like it just it confused me greatly seeing last night and I was like you're pulling Rudy that seems like a, a waved white flag to me why why don't you take Ant out here mm-hmm. Chris go ahead. Finch talked about that after the game and he said that when his when the medical staff came to him and said Ant's ready to go. Um, he's there's no risk and and Edwards said that he's fine he's like I play him like if you're ready to go and you're healthy you play and I think maybe part of that is I mean obviously looking deep into it and maybe you know maybe for for likes and, and hits but it might be a little shot off the bow of Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell and some of those guys to show this young kid who's got the world in front of him playing injured, playing hurt, you sure. know, maybe it's, or maybe it's okay to play dinged up a little bit when you're not mm-hmm. in perfect prime. Um, maybe it's, you know, just to kind of show a little toughness, a little leadership, a little that kind of thing. Um, we've kind of had a history of some pretty soft players and some guys taking some extra rest. So maybe it's something about that. I'm not sure. Yeah. And it's, it was interesting because he came in, like late in it, it came in at a time where Ant usually doesn't come in. It was like late in the third quarter. There was almost like a minute left. I was I was at a friend's house and I looked away and Ant was in and I was super confused because he usually doesn't play those minutes. And I guess it was just the last minute desperation. I mean the I mean basically the uh the Pistons came out in the fourth quarter and put the game away anyway. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, it, it, it was an interesting move to to me as well, considering he took a couple drives and he fell a couple times. And if he gets hurt in that situation, it was almost like, do you remember when he got hurt last year? Um, at the end of, it was at the end of the game. We had it pretty much in hand. I think we were up 10, like a minute left. And he like, he fell and then he got hurt. And people were all up in Finch, like, oh, Finch doesn't know how to, how to manage his players or he's playing his starters too much just to lock up the win. It almost kind of felt like that situation. Now, thankfully ants didn't get hurt, but I mean, if he did, I felt like there would be people at, at Finch's throat right now. Oh, pitchforks. Yeah. Blake, go ahead. 
That's yeah. That's kind of how I feel is like, I, I think there can be, I can appreciate like wanting to prove a point. To some of your other players of like, you don't need to be hundred percent. You can be 95%. And I don't know what ants injuries like or what the medical staff know about it and all of that to say like, he should play, he shouldn't play. Um, and this is a more extreme example, but I'm pretty sure like the Derrick Rose injury, like with Tibbs, like that was pretty late in the game when it was sealed one way or the other. I don't even remember if they won or lost, but like, and that, that was maybe just a fluke step he made at a couple minutes more than he should have been in, but maybe it was something else. And it's like one of those, like, you can, you can prove a point here. You can say, yep, Ant, you're ready to go. And I want Ant to be able to trust his body, but as a 21 year old kid playing at this level, like, I, I feel like he's just gonna be like, yeah, I'm good. Like, I don't think he's going to back down whether or not he actually should. He seems like a guy who's just going to like put his nose to the grind and be like, whatever, I'll deal sort of thing. And whether or not that's a good attitude is another question. His own worst enemy. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'm not, I don't know for sure, but that's kind of what I'm gathering could be the case. Right. Yeah. So yeah, uh, let's move forward here talking about is let's actually you know let's talk a little trade deadline. I know that we'll go fully into this um, um, later on in the season. Obviously, we'll do full coverage of the trade deadline, uh, our predictions, and we'll do a reaction. And particularly if some big goes, you, you know us. With the day the day Rudy Gobert got traded, we were on the air. Within uh within a couple hours, so I mean we're we're on the pulse of this. So who is one guy that you you think you wouldn't mind see moved at the trade deadline? We'll start with you, Chris. Hmm. That's such a big question. Um, a guy I wouldn't mind seeing moved. I mean, it all depends on what we're getting back. Like D'Angelo Russell is definitely a piece that I wouldn't mind seeing moved if we but I need to know what he's asking, what his asking price is, you know, like we have to either sign him. We have two, we have two options with three options with D'Lo. We sign him pretty much by the all-star break, um, which is 30 days away. Uh, We trade him by that same time, or he leaves completely in free agency and we get about 15 million in salary cap. So like, that's a sticky situation. Um, I would like to trade him for a high-level starting point guard, but that just doesn't happen. So I don't know. That's a scary one. I would say, guys, I would move. I would trade Nasrid if we can get anything for him. I would trade um, Jalen Noel if we can get anything for him. Um, I would trade – I would see what the value for a guy like Torian Prince is. Um, I think he's valuable, and, and I like him, but – how many minutes is he going to be playing when Carl Anthony Towns comes back? You know, cause that pushes everything back. Now you don't now, you know, slow-mo isn't playing 25 minutes at power forward. So he's going to be pushed to some small forward minutes and, you know, uh, McDaniels is going to be out of the power forward rotation probably mostly, and he'll be getting, you know, some more small forward minutes. So somebody's going to lose minutes. So if there's value in him, I would I would search that out opposed to the seven minutes he might be playing a game. Um, so just kind of role players like that. But for mm-hmm. the most part, um, with the West so close, like Blake mentioned, um, there's going to be a lot of teams that aren't looking to sell or aren't. You know, they're not going to. might be everyone might be looking to buy. So 
So I don't know. It's going to be a real interesting trade deadline. There's no one that really sticks out um, that I want to trade um, at this point because, again, we don't really know what we have until everyone's here. Um, and guys that are really playing worthless for us, like um, who's that shooter that we were just talking about? I Brent Forbes. Brent Forbes. Yeah, Brent, yeah, Brent Forbes. Like he's making, you know, a million two a year. So like if you trade him, all you can bring back is another guy making a million. So, you know, that's not that's not gonna move the needle at all. So yeah, I would say uh, I would say stay put. I would like to stay pat and uh just kind of get healthy and um reassess in the offseason unless something amazing for Delo happens. Blake, what do you what do you what do you think? Um, I can reiterate on probably three of those players that uh, Chris mentioned. I would say the first is Jalen Noel to me is one that I would not mind trading. He is a volume shooter, volume scorer, and he doesn't really bring anything else to the table. Um, but to Chris's point, the, uh, the amount of money he's making is not very big. Um, so it's, I don't know what you can really get for him. I think just, if he says, look at my box scores, I, I put points on the board, he's going to try to demand more than he's worth, and it's it'd be worth getting rid of him for that reason. Um, but for being a million, $2 million salary player, that's not really worth discussing. Um, moving up in the salary, I, I like Torian Prince, but I feel like he's got to be the piece in any mid-size package just to make money work, just to make yeah. contracts work. Like, like him or don't like him, like – it's like when the Lakers had rumors about THT and like players like that, and they just had to have them in every trade rumor because that was like their 10 or $12 million guy or whatever. Like they had LeBron and AD who you aren't going to trade in a bunch of million dollar guys. Like he's our, he's our mid mid range guy. Um, moving up to D'Lo. He's been one I've being in a contract year. I've hoped to see contract year D'Lo, whether or not that's happens. Another question. Um, he, to me is somebody that, uh, I, I just have not known what I want out of him the entire year for next off season, because Anthony Edwards is going to get paid whatever amount of dollars needed. And I think he deserves it. Um, Dilo to me is worth some level of money, a hefty amount of money, but he's going to ask for more than he's worth. And it's like, I want him to play well and, and, and get, but then he'll, he'll ask for more money he's worth, than he's worth. And if he plays poorly, well, we could get a budget on him, but do we want a, a guy that's playing poorly on our team to get a, a big salary? Um, so I just I, – I don't know how well I think D'Lo fits here with the salary. My, my biggest problem with getting rid of him is I, I don't think he's a superstar player, but I don't think it's going to be easy to find somebody of his caliber to just replace like you can find some good depth pieces. You can find some picks for him, whatever you want, but I I don't think you can find a D'Lo caliber player very easily to start at PG and um, with, with him out. And I don't think Jordan McLaughlin or Austin Rivers are bad, but I think they're solid backups. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Chris, go ahead. I mean, that's, that's exactly, that's exactly the issue we have is D'Lo's skill set, and he's young. D'Lo's still super young, but his skill set is, like, right below, like, high-level starter, and there's a huge gap between 
like that, the, the next tier below that are guys that aren't very good that you don't want starting on playoff teams. And that's what we're going to be. So to find a replacement is super hard, super hard mm-hmm. for yeah. D'Lo. And ever like, yeah, sure, move them, great. But then who starts at point guard? Like that's the question you – whenever anyone is stomping the, their fist for trade D'Lo, I'll listen, but you have to come up with who's going to start at point guard then. And the one, almost always there's no answer. The, the only, one name – oh, go ahead. I was going to say, well, I'll let you say it. The only guy that makes sense to me, I think, for both teams is Terry Rozier. That's exactly what I was going to say. Because – and the only reason I would move him if I was Charlotte – I mean, not like he's amazing, but he's a good standstill shooter. He's a solid defender. Um, he can get to the rim. Uh, and they've got their point guard of the future. So they don't really need – like, I, I think I think Rozier and, and, and Ball don't really work amazing together. No. And, you know, they, they don't need to have a 20 million guy in their roster backing up LaMelo Ball. So, um, I mean, that's the only guy that makes sense. And then Charlotte could use that cap space to really to maybe maybe make some big runs for free agents. So if it's not Rozier, I have a real hard time finding anyone that's near start startable quality that would be even possible to trade for. So it's a tough situation. So do you think I'll go ahead. I was saying, do you do you think Charlotte would do it just to get like Terry Rogier off the books, basically yes. then? Or I mean yep. I don't I don't know if it's like a one for one exactly. I don't it would know. be it would have to be t- like something and I've looked at this in the past. I haven't looked at it recently, but it'd have to be like Terry Rozier and um and some middling piece, like uh, who was it? I forget what it was, but th- there's a couple guys that are making around eight million that you would have to grab from them, and they've got a couple options in that range. So it, it it's easily workable, and it's you know if you squint, it makes sense for Charlotte. Um, the only real question is, um, could Charlotte get you know cap relief and a first for him from somebody else? Could they get you know? Because because I, I could see them moving them strictly just to save thirty or save twenty one million dollars in cap space and then turn and flip that into a max level player in free agency. Um, right. That's super valuable to upgrade that way, but uh, it just depends if some other team will offer more um, in in assets for them. But I mean thirty thirty two million dollars in uh, cap relief is a real big thing. I was saying, yeah, I don't and, go ahead, Gabe. No, no, I was just going to say, and that's the reason I shared this. What I love about the Terry Rozier potential deal is, I mean, you've got your starting put point guard potentially for the next two or three years. Like yep. D'Lo, D'Lo is, it, no matter what you say, even if you, even if you say that D'Lo is better than Terry Rozier and maybe there's some things he does better than Terry Rozier, maybe there's some things uh, Terry Rozier does better than D'Lo, that's... I don't know how they did it, but that's a pretty good contract for Terry, a 28-year-old Terry Rozier. Four years, $96 million. That's a, it's not bad. I feel like that's a he's on one of the best contracts in the NBA, in my opinion. I'm I'm huge on Terry Rozier. Like I think he's a really good player. I've seen us him kill us time after time again. I think that uh that uh D for Terry Rozier, 
it, it would be a lateral move, but you you lock up a point guard at a, at a at a low value that you could go and sign at. Go ahead, uh, Blake. Yeah, I was just gonna say I don't know who has. I don't dislike this idea. I just don't know who has the leverage here when you have D'Lo in contract year and Hornets are trying to shave money versus us trying to lock up a guy and they'll say, like, we have the guy you want to lock up, but he's also, you have him for three years versus we're getting your guy for three months. And and we know that there's slim pickings of this caliber player. Like we said, there's not really alternatives to this. So I feel like, I like to I don't I'm trying not to be homerish here. I feel like the Hornets might have a little more leverage than us in this in this scenario. For sure. But so, so the, here's 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 my push for the Hornets side. Um under contract next year, they've got 86 dollars on the books currently. Um the salary cap's gonna be about 135 million. So already they've got $50 million in cap space, which is a lot. You can sign a lot with that or, or make, you know, big, big plays. But now if you take Terry Rozier and the guys you would have to add would either be, you know, a PJ Washington, who's a free agent that they're going to have to sign. And they went out of their way not to resign him. Um, or James Bokright, who was a, you know, rookie that they thought was going to be this, their next point guard, uh, sh- uh, shooting guard kind of guy, but he's never really blossom to anything so those types of guys are around five million so you would get one of those guys so now you're saving 30 million dollars from them so now they've only got 50 million dollars on the book so they've got you know 80 million dollars in cap space they can go and get two max players they can really build a team around a ball that way and really kind of structure it how they want um i just don't know if that, I mean, that might almost be too much money to spend. I don't know what the free agent market looks like next year, but um, that that's the only sell from their side. And I don't know if that would work. But another way to look at it, you were talking about contracts, is we're always saying, well, what is D'Lo going to ask for? And saying that, you know, Rozier and D'Lo are similar. So Rozier's like three years older than D'Lo for one. And for two, the last three years of his deal average about – $25 million a year. So if D'Lo came to you and said, hey, I want to sign a three-year $25 million contract, I mean, do you just do that? You know, like, would you would you rather sign D'Lo at three years, $25 million, or would you rather trade him for Rose Deer at three years, $25 million? That's kind of the question. Right. Personally, I would rather have D'Lo at that, just judging that he's younger. Uh, but I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like they're such similar players. Now, obviously, Rozier has more miles on him, as you were saying, but they're such like maybe not similar than the way they play, but similar value players. That I, I don't know. I feel like it's a lateral move. That if D, I feel like D'Lo is going to ask for more because I don't I don't know if he is completely. Uh, if he's sold on here, it's it's going to be interesting to see if if because if you think about it, this is going to be like unless he blows up and has like a career year, this is going to be like his last big contract probably, right? Like he might get some small ones at the tail end of his career, but this is he's twenty, he's going to be twenty seven in the off season. This is his last big contract, and I think he's going to ask for a lot. Blake, go ahead. Yeah, I I agree. I think. 
three years, 25 a year is less than he's going to want. Um, if that was the offer, I would just keep D'Lo. If, if you want to say that they're one and one against each other, I think players often look at different franchises of who they want to join by. They treated this player well. They paid him what he wanted. He stuck around. Like those things are important versus being a revolving door franchise. Um, so I would say keep D'Lo if, if you if you claim they're equal players um, for that reason. Um, but I, I agree with Gabe. He's going to ask for a little more on the on the Charlotte side. Just really quick, I agree. That's a ton of money, and I I think Charlotte could go two ways. They could either say we have $80 million. Give us the top two free agents to pair with LaMelo Ball. Great. Or they could go the way of the Thunder and just say, give us your worst contract and we'll, we'll suck it up, but you have to give us first with it. And being young and like having nobody else but LaMelo Ball that you really want to build around, like I wouldn't, I don't think they'd be dumb for going with the, the Thunder strategy. I agree. Well, he, here's, here's the quick thing that, the Hornets, they need to decide, and I think the answer is no, because they have them on the books for like three or four more years. Is Terry Rozier a part of the long-term plan for the Charlotte Hornets? And if he is, then you keep him. If not, then you look to deal him, and uh, a one-year and he's off the books, Delo might be a good move. Chris, go ahead. Yeah, and, and that's that's I think that's important. I think you can do both. I think you can move him for Delo. You can get all that cap space and then even reap more of those bad contract first round pick kind of deals. Um, one thing that you mentioned, uh, Gabe, that I think is an interesting take and something that I think is important is you, their attitudes are different. Um, Rozier, in the limited time that I've watched him, has got that bulldog in him. He's got that defensive guy, like he'll try to lock up the point guard on defense. He's a real downhill, like hard driver to the rim. Um, kind of is that kind of spirit, more in the Anthony Edwards type spirit. And I think, I mean, that goes a long ways. I, I One of my things I hate the most about D'Lo, and I've beat it to death on here, is how he tries to make things, I feel like, make it look too easy. And I think that sort of laissez-faire uh, style um isn't conducive to winning basketball games as a team. Um, and uh, it's possible that we'll need a culture change, which might be why we trade them. Not so much talent-wise, but just attitude-wise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe we need uh, a different piece around someone like Carl Anthony Towns. And maybe, Carl Anthony, maybe that turns around Carl Anthony Towns' attitude as well. Now, I've never seen D'Lo as like, having a bad attitude, but like you said, Terry Rozier definitely has the, the killer instinct that, that I, that I've seen time and time again. Also, he's been a winner, not necessarily a championship winner, but he's been a winner at Boston. I mean, yep. D, what is, I mean, what has D'Lo done? Like made the playoffs twice. Like, okay. He, he had a good year in Brooklyn. He was an all-star there. Exactly. No, that that's what I'm saying. But what did they do in the playoffs? Sure. Nothing. Uh, Blake, go ahead. Um, I was looking something up. Come back to me. Give me oh, one second. Okay, no, no problem. No problem. I was looking something up as well. That's why I sent it to you. But, oh, um, for the deal, I don't want to get into. I'll, I'll, I'll bring this up really quick. The deal, I don't want to get into the leadership conversation or any of that. Um, but I do think the Wolves could benefit from having a veteran presence here. That's 
not just D'Lo or Cat. And I, I don't think Rudy, I think Rudy might be getting more comfortable there um, and stepping up. Um, like last year, I felt like D'Lo, there was some talk, but like he's actually playing defense really well this year and he's starting to step up in these ways. And what I don't, I don't want to speak to his defense as much this year, but like there's been a few times where he's made just some like boneheaded passes that were just like a soft little toss or a little bounce. And the other team runs by like steals it and lays it up quick. And you're like, like, what are you doing? Like it's the fourth quarter. Like you can't, you can't just turn it off for a few seconds here and there. So I, I kind of agree. I like him overall, but there's been a few times where I'm just like, you need to keep just, keep the burner on you have to kick into gear the whole time and never never shut that off and i've seen him do it here and there and that that can be frustrating mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that's yeah. the, i i don't know Delo particularly at this point in his career i don't think he's good enough and i think he's shown that he's good enough to be a number two on a team is he good enough to be a number three i i think absolutely i i think you could have a number three of him i mean Particularly if you're looking at like a team like like Brooklyn. Now I know obviously Kevin Durant and Kyrie are a little better than uh, than at this point in their career Anthony Edwards sure. and Pat. But I mean their their number three is Ben Simmons, and tonight he didn't even score. So I mean I think I think that that how many assists did he have? He had thirteen. Actually, I was I was going to show he had thirteen assists, nine rebounds. <laughs> And How many no shots point. did he take? Uh, I gotta look that up. But uh, keep talking. This is a real, real quick on that note, though, of, of being the third best. To me, whether or not the fit is right, just in a vacuum, talent wise, I would say I'd place him fourth on our list. Gobert, Cat, and Ant are yeah. all a tier above D'Lo. Um, or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just if you have to rank them in order, I would right, put him right. behind those three. Yep. So he's not a bad fourth player to have either. Like that's a no, and that's where we're stuck. He's a good player. Like no, it, people are an idiot if they're like he's trash. Yes, sometimes he makes bonehead plays. Yes, sometimes his laziness and kind of aloofness out there drives me crazy, and I think it's a bad look for the team for sure. But he also scored like thirty-five points in the play-in game to beat the Clippers. Like. He's got a clip on him. He can score a lot of points quick. Um, I mean, he's just a hard player to evaluate. And I, there's a thing that, you know, it might be almost as valuable to break up this Cat D'Lo supposed of, uh, kinship. I think if Cat doesn't have his little D'Lo in the locker room as his, you know, wingman, I think he might have to take a second look at who he is as a player and how he's acting. And maybe that's a huge step forward in Kat's career. Cause I think that's something Kat needs to do. Um, mm. So yeah, I, I, I'm really excited to see what Tim Connolly does. Um, his first big move um, this year is for sure going to be this D-Lo, what What we do with that decision. Now the, the other name that I've seen floated around and this is just a couple of things I've heard Kyle Kuzma, uh, oh, Blake, you had something on uh, Rozier. Go ahead. No, not Rozier. Um, go ahead with Kuzma. That's fine. Okay. Well, I, I've heard that rumors of Kyle Kuzma. Now, I'm looking at uh, Eastern returns for the All-Star game, and he's like seventh for guards. He's having a really good year. But uh, what would you think of – Yeah, forwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you think of a potential Kuzma move? 
I mean, maybe. I like Kuzma. Um, I've always liked him. He's from Michigan, which is kind of cool. Local guy. Um, I, he, he brings a lot of the stuff we need. Um, but again, it's like, okay, so now we would have like at the three, four kind of position, we would have, you know, Prince, Slow-Mo, uh, McDaniels, Kuzma, um, you know, Edwards plays some three, uh, and Cat and Gobert, you know, taking the four. Like, that's just a lot of bodies there. So I don't know how we would really make it work. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, if you in a perfect starting lineup, obviously, I think in a Kuzma deal, he makes about $15 million, So you're going to have to lose Prince. You're going to have to lose um, – you know, some other middling guy. Uh, I, I remember I, p- I put out a trade today for it, but you'd have to lose some guys. Um, I'm not sure, unless it's D'Lo. I know they were looking at D'Lo. So if it was like D'Lo and Denny Advia, who I kind of like um, for for Kuzma, um, they're Kuzma and Denny Advia. And um, I think they had a point guard. Who's their little point guard that they've got on their squad now? Um who would probably come our way. I think it's the guy he was in Denver. Um, oh, uh, Gary Harris? Is that it? No. No, 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 no. no. Um, everyone loves looking up Monte Morris. If we went Monte uh-huh. Morris, um, Kyle Kuzma, and Denny Advia for, for um, D'Lo, I mean, the thing is, is like, why would they give up all that stuff for D- um, but if they're not signing Kuzma, like the, Kuzma wants twenty five million, he's going to opt out of his players. He's going to be a, he's going to be a free agent this offseason, no matter what, um, and not restricted, so they won't be able to match. So he's going to be a complete free agent, and Washington's over the cap, so they can't sign him at all. So Kuzma's gone. So they're going to try to get anything for him. And since they're over the cap, they can't bring in a point guard that's better than Morris. So they couldn't bring in D'Lo if he becomes a free agent because they won't have any money. So the only way they could is if they sign, you know, do this trade and then sign them. And now they have him, you know, they go at D'Lo, Bradley Beal, um, Kristaps Przingis kind of lineup. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I would take Kuzma. I just don't really know how he fits. Um, and I don't know if I want to pay him 25 million to, to push into our, our, kind of packed front court when and then and then it comes back to the question of well do you want monte morris as your starting point guard like he's he's just kind of a guy to me so like that i think total mm-hmm. a downgrade overall from d'lo mm-hmm. blake go ahead i'm yeah i'm kind of mixed on this too i don't dislike kuzma i don't think he's a guy that i would give this much money to i think washington is being fair to be a little uneasy with how much they want to pay him um and you made a good point about just who he would compete for minutes with in terms of certain like the Nas Reeds, the Kyle Anderson's the Prince's the those sort of guys the McDaniels and I guess would slow-mo be somebody you'd want to move for him because in terms of who it is it's you have your max players you have your cat Gobert, Anthony Edwards D'Lo those kind of guys you have all your one and two million dollar guys, and the only ones in the middle are Slomo and Torian Prince. So, yep. like, that's who they'd be competing with for minutes with. So it makes sense to start moving them. But I don't think Washington does a one for one of Slomo versus for Kuzma. 
so it becomes a bigger trade and i to me i i don't i like kuzma i don't think i do it just because you have options at that position now and like we've been saying Delo is a harder spot to fill and it's going to be a bigger hole than uh where we'd stand if we added kuzma even if we got if we get Kuzma, it's basically saying we've decided that McDaniels is not the guy. Which I would disagree with. Um, he's young. I don't know if he's going to be that good. But to me, I, we're on two different timelines with Cat and Gobert and them, like D'Lo and like and Jaden. I don't want to say Jaden's a superstar, all-star, all-NBA defense, whatever. But like – I feel like he's definitely improved this year. Um, he's our worst. He's our weakest link at starter. But I don't know if I would take a $25 million Kuzma over that. Right. Like for the price. Yeah. Right. So, Chris, you brought this up earlier. What do you think we can get for Nas? I mean, obviously he's not in a big contract, but his value's got to be pretty high. I mean. What we would get is. I think any, any, I think get, any team would take him. We would get a nobody and a draft pick. You know, oh, we would okay. get some bottom of the yeah. bench guy, which is fine. And we'd hopefully scratch out a draft pick, probably a, maybe a protected first if we're lucky. Um, I would, I, I think that would be decent. But um, I mean, he's our third center. Like, I love Nas more than probably anyone you're going to talk to. And I, and I would love to, truthfully, in my perfect world, I. I sign Nas to whatever deal he wants and I move Carl Anthony Towns in the off season. And I let Nas be the backup five and I, whatever the treasure trove of players and picks we get from cat, we build around, um, we build around Anthony Edwards and, you know, and McDaniels. So we're going to have a, you know, maybe a top 10 pick and maybe another young, hopefully up and coming player we get from Nas or from the cat trade. And then we've got Nas and Rudy. I mean, that's what I would do, but I don't think that's happening. Like that's a, that's like a two NBA 2k kind of deal. So in reality, I'm not going to pay Nas what he's worth to be our, to play seven minutes a game, you know, and that's what he's going to be playing when Carl Anthony Towns comes back. So you have to try to get whatever you can from him for him. And um, if you can get like a, you know, a first round pick and, um, you, you know, you do it. And if you can get a, you know, a second round pick for Noel, like if we've already made the decision that we're not going to sign both these guys in the off season, get what you can for them now. Mm-hmm. It would, I don't know, for me, it would seem like a lot to get rid of both of them just for picks. Because it kind it kind of seems like we're going in two different directions. Like we're giving up all these picks for Rudy, but then we're giving up our interior guys to try to make a run for. I I think I think. But we're not going to have them anyways. Like those guys yeah. aren't going to be on the team next but year. I, I know, I know, but I, I'm thinking for this year. Who cares? I, I do, but <laughs> we're not. I mean, we're not winning a championship this year. Like we we got to build. No, I know, future. I know, I know, but I feel like we need to make the playoffs this year at least to keep the progression going. That that's Maybe. just how I feel. Yeah, I would but, want to make the playoffs just so the Jazz don't get a better pick. <laughs> that's like go ahead. Um, I would. I'm on the side of, and I think I said this last time. Of I would rather make the playoffs specifically because I would rather 
have people like Kyle Anderson say, yeah, I'd, I'd be willing to play for Minnesota rather than paying a guy like Chase Bunger, the Tundra tax to come here when he's not worth it um, because we're a bad team in a cold city and who wants to come here sort of thing. Um, so I, I, I would rather see us win um, to trade Nasrid for picks in a vacuum. I don't think is a bad idea stepping out of it. I think it's, it's covering up our mistakes of whether or not you like the Rudy trade or not. We are very draft poor right now. And it would it basically be saving us for that. Um, I like Nas. I like Nas a lot. I think he's better than being a third guy, even if the two people he's, in, he's behind are amazing. Um, but he is an interesting one because I – I think he's he's shown that he can step up, and and you're right. He if when Cat comes back, he's not going to get the minutes. Um, so he's done a great job, but his stock is high because he's just been given the chance and he stepped up. I if the if the if the package is right, I'm not opposed to trading Nas, but I, he's he's one that he's going to rightfully get more money next year, and I just I have no idea what his package is. Exactly. He's one of the guys that um, I would be happy to see us trade and I'll be a fan of him forever and I'll cheer for him on whatever team he's on um, mm-hmm. because I like him. I just don't know. I just don't. He's just if put it this way, if you were Nas Reed and you made it to the offseason, we didn't trade you and the Timberwolves were an option to, to like you could sign with the Timberwolves. Would you sign with the Timberwolves? Because I wouldn't. Yeah, if you're in Nas's shoes, I I see what you're saying. Yeah. 23-year-old player trying to like – this is like a – you know, you might just have a couple-year contract and then you're going to have a big one after that. You need minutes. You need to play. Yeah. Why would you sign up to get six minutes a game next year behind these same two all-NBA players? Like, I wouldn't sign with us. No, I would would turn our deal down, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, But, Blake, you mentioned how draft poor we are. Just to kind of even reiterate that a little bit, I was looking the other day, and we have almost all of our second round picks going like four years in front of us. Almost all those are gone too, like in various <laughs> other deals. So I think we only have like one, I think we have like one or two second round picks in like the next four years. Dude, that Rubio for Torian Prince in a second is just looking better every day. I would take Rubio right now for Torian. <laughs> I would too. I'm just. That's the only trade I can even think of recently that gave us a draft pick. Yeah. In recent years. Not as though I, to me, like I get that he's an insurance policy right now, but if he, if we got rid of him for a first round, let's say, and we got it and cat stays injured, whether or not you want to win this year or not, like it's Gobert, And then after, is it like Nate Knight and Garza? Are they going to be getting all the minutes? Like, are we happy this with year? that? You talking about this year? Yeah. Yeah, that's what it would be. Like, because you... that'll be your third. That'll be your third center next year. Some G leaguer making this a million guy. and a half. Like, that's what sure. you mean. Those guys have to. Your third guy on your depth chart, especially at center, needs to yeah. be making no more than two million. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, especially when the first two are like 60, 70 million combined. Yeah, same as like point guards. Like sometimes they carry a third point guard. They hardly ever get in because sometimes a two guard can – that guy can't be making much money. Like you, it just can't – it just doesn't work salary camp-wise. Yeah. I I just know if we trade Nas, he's going to go – he's going to have a game where he puts up 30 
and then all of Wolves Twitter is going to be, you know that, you know that meme of uh, of a uh, of Wolverine holding the picture, and yes. he's like fondling the picture. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then it's like a picture of Pat Bev and Jared Vando and stuff. But it's going to yeah, be yeah. of Nas Reed dunking or something, and it's going to. I I'm I'm so sick of Wolves Twitter. Like we got to get over Patrick Beverly. Like I, I know this is a side point, but get over it. It's over. He's gone. He's not that good anyway. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. That's just how I feel. Tell, like, it, tell us how you really feel, Gabe. It's just, it's ridiculous. Like we got to move. I even, so I, I'm going to put uh, this, let's see. I got to go to my Twitter uh, quick and I, I got to put them on blast. Um, so I said, yeah, we, got, we got a, we got someone said something on our little thing over here. Oh, we did. Oh, okay. I just saw it. I'm not going to try the name. I'm not going to either. And I agree with him or her. Um, I think that's a good move. I think that's probably what we're going to end up doing, except the thing is, is D'Lo, we can't run back next year unless we sign him. So that's that's the tricky thing. Well, I, no, I think they're saying – I think it would They're saying they wish we did last year's. Oh. We should have basically not yeah, done well, the Rudy. I don't, have a, I don't have a DeLorean. So until we can go back in time, we got to stick with what we got. I, I'm sorry. I usually don't put people on blast, but I uh, – uh, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Screw it. Because we're, 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 uh, we're an hour in and I want to do it. So basically, uh, so this guy, um, on Twitter, he's a pretty, uh, relentless, uh, Jane McDen or Wolves Twitter guy. And I said, he said, man, I miss Pat. <laughs> and I said, Pat Williams. Sure. Pat Beverly. No. And then he said, yeah, well, you can't be a Wolves fan if you say no. And I'm like, okay, sure, yeah. I'm not a real fan. <laughs> this is where we're at. I don't want a player who shoots 38% from the field. He didn't respond. Yeah, because you're right. Pat Beverly, <laughs> Pat Beverly is literally one of the worst basketball players in the NBA this year. Like statistically, he's literally one of the worst. He was playing like 30 minutes a game and averaging like two points a game on 30% yeah. shooting. Like, get out of here. Like, don't tell me he is. His legs look like they hurt so bad when he's running. Like he just doesn't have it. We we milked everything we could out of him last year. Um, here, I just don't want to hear about him anymore. Here's last thing I'll say about the Patrick Beverly thing. If we're gonna get a guy who's like all about grit and grind and oh the attitude, I'd rather bring in someone like Lance Stevenson and give him a chance on like a ten day. We contract. gave him a ten day contract at some point. I know yeah, we did. Yeah. I'd rather try that again than bring back Pat Beverly on a on a veterans minimum. I'd rather do that. Sure. I, just... I I'll I'll go against the grain here. I get that Patrick Beverly's been terrible this year. I would want either him or somebody back just for that grit and grind veteran presence attitude. Um just for that. Like well, whether it's him or somebody else. That. What I would say we have that. I would say we have that with Rivers. I would say we have that with Prince. Um, Rivers has taken over that defense on the court. He's taken over the, um, instead of like the talking about, I'm Pat Beverly, this is my team, follow me. He's more like, hey guys, you know, believe in us. We're moving forward. We're doing the right thing. He's more like the positive help the team kind of thing. I would take, I would take Austin Rivers a hundred times over a hundred over Pat Beverly. Um, and Austin Rivers can at least do something on the court. Um, not yeah. much, but he can do something. Sure. Also, 
we we the the only the the only difference is and, and I, I know that uh Chris you brought this up in the past with Pat Beverly. Austin Rivers isn't out there putting the attention on himself. Like yeah. I no one's wearing a I remember the I heart Pat Bev shirts. Like no one's wearing a I heart Austin Rivers shirt. Like it, it's I, I feel like with Pat Bev, a lot of it wasn't okay. So Okay, twenty five percent of it was good for the team building up a young squad. Seventy five percent of it was knack. So yeah, I mean, there's definitely pluses and minuses. What, what killed me the most is when we went into the playoffs, and I was watching TNT, and they're like Pat Beverly leading the Timberwolves into the playoffs. Yeah, and that to me, that is something that it was a narrative that Pat Beverly's you know PR team was pushing all year that he was the guy that was going to push him into playoffs. Not the fact that we have Carl Anthony Towns healthy. Not the fact that Anthony Edwards is making this huge transcendent superstar year. Nothing like that. Like, let's not give credit to these Wolves that have struggled and, and made these huge jumps. Let's give it to this veteran role player that really wasn't that, much that, of a part of it, reality. And, that, yeah. and I don't need him taking credit from guys like Anthony Edwards. Like, this is Anthony Edwards' moment to shine. It wasn't Pat Beverly's. And I think that was wrong, and I think that that was dirty for him to even step up in any way and try to take some of the shine off those young players that need to make a name for themselves in this in this league and need to move forward. Like, that sort of, that sort of idea, that might be why, you know, Anthony Edwards isn't getting all-star votes, you know, nationally. The fact that it wasn't like Anthony Edwards is leading the Timberwolves into the playoffs. Like that's, unfortunately, that sort of media attention is super powerful. Like the media controls the masses, the sheep. And without that sort of message out there, the sheep don't know. Yeah, particularly I, I'm looking at the box score from the uh from from the uh from the play-in game remember like everyone was like oh patrick beverly made a huge steal at the end and led the wolves to the playoffs i'm just i'm looking at patrick beverly's stats seven points three assists yeah and what did D'Lo wow he led us to the playoffs meanwhile did, ant's going for 30. yeah and, what did d'lo do that game oh he was great uh d'lo 29. 29 and 6. Now, yeah. now Pat Bev did have 11 rebounds, but so yeah. 7, 11, and 3. Wow, he led us to the playoffs. Way to go. Blake, go um, ahead. I don't want to be the total Pat Bev apologist or go too far against the grain. I feel like this oh, is getting into a rabbit hole we don't need to. Um, but I, I will say I like Austin Rivers and, and Prince for their styles. And I agree. There was, there was definitely a narrative being built around Pat Bev, but it's Easier to do that when he was – he didn't play every game, but he started almost every game he played, um, where Austin Rivers and Prince aren't starting guys. And so – and in our starting lineup, I don't think – unless it's Anthony Edwards, I don't think we have that sort of vocal person in that, like – I think Jaden McDaniels lets his game talk for him, but I don't think he's a big loudmouth usually. Um, I don't think Gobert has been that vocal – maybe because he just got here, Cat's been out. Um, so I, I think that was part of it was just that Pat Bev was starting. And um, also, I agree, there should have been more of a narrative around Ant versus Pat Bev. But I don't 
those two were like BFFs last season. So I don't know if Ant cared or not. Whether or not that matters this year, I think he was just, I'm 20 years old and I'm happy. And this older guy showing me the ropes and I'm cool with that. That's like how it looked from my angle watching Ant last year. And I think it's right. And it was, and it was the same thing with Rubio the year before that. Um, he loved Rubio. You oh, know, yeah. He did. And guess who sat ne- guess who had the locker next to him? Rubio did. Guess who had the next locker next to him the year after that? Pat Beverly did. Guess who has a locker next to Anthony Edwards this year? Rivers. I mean, sure. it's a strategic move. They put the vets next to him. And Edwards loves to learn. He loves to listen to the vets. And that's probably one of his best qualities from what I've been hearing is, and that's what Torian Prince said is like, you'll tell him something and, and he'll, he'll actually listen. Like he'll want to learn. He wants to get better. Um, and that's, what's going to take him to the top. Not, yeah, not, to, harp on, not to harp on Patrick Beverly, but uh, in that playing <laughs> game, in that playing game, he was a minus five shot two for eight and shot one for five from three point land. I'm just saying the stats speak for themselves. Meanwhile, Nas Reed is out here plus 17 because he, of course, came in when Cat fall out and then they went on that run. So, I was say, let's talk about how Cat did in the game. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, if you want to know, 11 points, three for 11, zero, from, zero for two from the three point line, five rebounds. I thought Kat's we were done not, when he fouled out. Cat's not really built for the bright lights. Um, and that's a reason why in this offseason I wouldn't mind at least sniffing around to see. I don't know what its value is league-wide. I don't know either. Like you might be able to get an Anthony Davis-type package for him, or maybe not. I think, yeah, Cat is an – he's an odd – I feel like he's a second-best guy in a championship team somewhere. Yeah, um, but what you, what you get out of that, I don't know. Like – if you said like, all right, Kat, you're going to the Mavs and it's your second to Luca, like that to me could be a championship roster right there. So that's the one roster that I think fits the best for him. When I was thinking about how to move, except they don't have anything I want. Um, but that's the that's the roster that I would like to see him on, a player like that, where you've got a guy that does 90% of the work and then you can kick it out to Cat to finish the play, to hit the three What about – Chris, I'm just, just spitballing. I don't even know if the money works here, but what yeah, about like a, what about like a Dinwiddie and a Wood for a cat? It may be like a fit. I mean, no. I think uh, contract no. and quality-wise it's okay, but you'd have to give us picks with it. Like, and that's what the Wolves would need too. That's – trading cat would just – reverse the mistake of Gobert giving away five picks. Um, I'm only trading Cat. I'm only trading Cat if I've got a guaranteed top five pick from somebody and a, a player that's under 24 that's looking like he's going to be at least a very, very quality player. What and, about and maybe more than that? What about now? I don't know. And we can talk about this all day. I'll wrap it up in a second, but what about like uh, I don't know, like what what about if he's still there now? I think he's going to get traded at the trade deadline. What about like uh, I don't know, what about like a John Collins and some and like Bogdan or Bondanovich and like a pick or something? So I really like I really like that Bogdanovich. I like that guy. Um, 
But I mean, what's weird about Collins is Atlanta's, Atlanta's been trying to trade him for five years. I feel like, yeah. and nobody's taken him. Like they've been trying to dump him since they got him. So there's something, there's something fishy going on there because he seems like a solid player. Um, when I when I when I watch him, he seems like he's like us the size of a small forward. He's very thin. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's a to me that doesn't do much more like Collins and Atlanta versus Mavs and getting two of their better players that aren't their best but they're better players and a bunch of picks like it's decent but if you get rid of Cat too and you're having Rudy sit out there and Ant I think you start to question like what your timeline is here like right now it's very Cat well, and Ant is nice. But once you take Cat away, like, does that change your trajectory? And I think that's exactly what it would be. I think it would be saying we're no longer on Cat trajectory. We're yeah. we're building around a 21 year old, which I think we should do at some point. Which I don't I don't mind that. But you have a 30 year old or however old Garbera is on 40 million a year too. Like, but but, but what he's going to give you, I think, till the end of time is 10 rebounds, solid sure. rim protection. And he's gonna block out everybody, and he's gonna shoot seventy percent at the rim. And I think he's gonna give you that for five more years. And that's kind of like having a really nice left tackle when you've got a rookie uh, quarterback. Like you sure. want somebody who's just gonna be a big ugly down low. That's gonna clear out space on screens, and he's gonna you know do the dirty work under the rim. Um, I don't think that that age is as quick as you know, a three-point shooting seven-footer that, you know, doesn't really have many other elite skills. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I think we could do the metaphoricals all night. Like, what about this guy? What about this guy? But right. uh, I think we got to wrap it Gorgie up. Jang just got waved. Let's get him. What about him? Just kidding. <laughs> I mean, would you rather have I'm just kidding. Luca Garza? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just joking. Yeah, I'd rather Luca too. Anyway, so it's been a fun one. Blake says thanks so much for being here. Yeah, yeah thanks for having me. And uh, Chris, thanks so much for being here as always. Let's have a big run here. We got some pretty crappy teams coming up. Let's beat them up. We do, although we said that before the Detroit game. But I, I <laughs> Detroit might just be our kryptonite. So it might be, and we we don't have to deal with them the rest of the year anyway. So thankfully, till the finals. Booker's not coming back tomorrow, right? The, the squad's not. No, I don't think so. I think he's supposed to be out. I think what I saw that the Suns are going to have Chris Paul, Booker, um, Aiden, um, pretty much their top six players are all out. Fantastic. <laughs> and particularly on a back-to-back going against the Cavs. Oh, also, watch out for the Cavs game. Ricky Rubio is going to be back, most likely. Ricky Rubio! Uh, Everyone's I, favorite. I think he played – I'd have to check. I think he played tonight. He said if, if everything was – I'm checking the stats right now. He might not be in the game yet. Let me see if he's checked in. Uh, he's not checked in yet, but you got to think at least by Thursday if there's no setbacks – or I meant by Saturday. There's no setback. It is. Uh, yeah, Wolves, oh, Suns. awesome. Suns, yeah, Suns, uh, Cavs, and Jazz. Jazz, they play on MLK Day. Uh, it's at 3. So, I don't know. Do you guys get the day? I, I uh, do. You, Chris, do you get the day off for MLK? I think so. There you go. 
There you go. Uh, Seven o'clock on Saturday, dude. I'm. I should try to get to that game. I want to see Ricky play. Well, here's the funny. Yeah, I'll tell you off air anyway. So this is the Everything's Coming Up Table World <laughs> podcast. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe on YouTube and tell a friend as well because that's the best way to spread the brand is to tell your friends about it. And also make sure to give us a five-star rating and tell us what you think. There's a option on Spotify to tell us about your podcast. It can be good or bad. We just want to know what you think about our stuff. And as always, go Wolves.